Welcome to Home Education Matters, the weekly podcast supporting you on your home education journey. Welcome to Home Education Matters and today is a podcast as part of our Sharing Our Successes series and I am very pleased to be joined by Lauren who was home educated as a child and we're going to be uh, finding out a little bit about Lauren's journey through home education and where she is now. So hi Lauren, thank you so much for joining us today. Do tell us a little bit about yourself. Hi, thanks for having me. Yeah, so um, I started being home educated at the age of four. I went to a Montessori nursery in the UK And then um, when it was time for me to go into preschool, I was I have a July birthday, so I was really young in my year. And in general, I was just very shy, not very good with crowds. So I was really not ready to go into a proper school setting yet. And so so my mom, who was a secondary school English teacher, decided, well, she's not ready to go into preschool yet. We'll just pull her out for a couple of years and home educate her until she's ready to um, go back to regular school or whatever. So. I uh, so I think her idea was sort of that I would just sort of play with Lego bricks for a couple of years, but um, I I sort of had this idea in my head of what school was like, and so when she said you're going to start having school at home, I sort of uh, my first day I sort of climbed up on the dining room table with a notebook and a pen, and I was like I'm ready to start school now, and so she she was like oh okay I guess we're actually going to learn some things, and so um, after after the sort of two years were up it was working so well for me that she just decided to keep doing it and um all all my siblings are homeschooled as well they never went to any kind of nursery or anything so um I have three younger siblings so that was for for homeschooling I think a relatively large class size um (laughs) so 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 because I live in the U.S., sometimes I sort of call it homeschooling but I'll I'll try to stick to calling it home educating for the you can call it anything you want on this podcast don't worry yeah um it's (laughs) Just to clarify, I mean the same thing. Um, Yeah, so um, growing up, it was pretty much we do uh, school stuff in the morning. You know, I'd have I had a math book I worked through. I did some, um, you know, things like geography. We did science readings. We did um, lots of reading lots of different books. And then in the afternoon, I could pretty much do whatever I wanted. And so that was a really fun time for me to do some crafts, write some stories. When you're home educated, you have a lot of free time. and. that can be really, really great for a kid who just wants to sort of explore different things. Um, and we also went on a bunch of um, field trips with other home educated kids in our area. Um, that's the great thing about living in the UK. Like there's so much history and culture just everywhere. You know, you go down to the shops and you trip over a castle. So it was really, <laughs> it was really great to be able to explore, you know, Roman villas and cathedrals and, um, really get immersed in the history of the place where we lived. You don't you don't really get that in the States so much because everything's so spread out. Um, but it was really nice to be able to go on field trips and meet other home educated kids. And um then when I was when I was 12, um my mom wanted to find a more difficult uh literature curriculum for me because um the ones that she was finding she thought weren't advanced enough. And she couldn't find any, so she made one. And so that's, um, she runs a company called Dreaming Spires Home Learning, which uh, I was sort of patient zero for. And I've taken (laughs) probably about, I probably took about 10 courses total through Dreaming Spires, not all taught by my mom. She does some of the literature classes, but there's, I also took 
I took creative writing, I took ancient history, I took um, art art history. And so there, there was quite a wide variety of subjects I did through that. And then when I, uh, when I was almost 16, my family moved to the States. So I kept doing the Dream Inspires courses because they're live and online and you can do them from anywhere. But um, I also joined um, a... I also signed up to take classes at a community college in my town and a community college is um it's basically a two-year university so you you go there and you take courses and you get a associate's degree rather than a bachelor's degree and so it's kind of it's usually cheaper than a four-year university and you don't live there on campus it's just you show up to you you drive there and you show up to courses to, to take courses and they have this option where if you're in high school, so basically sort of upper secondary school, you can go to the community college and take courses for free because they want to encourage um, children who um, want to take more advanced studies to get some university credit before they actually go to university. And then when you go to university, a lot of the time you can transfer those credits into your university. Um, and I was able to do that, but then I didn't actually use any of them to graduate early because I decided to double major, but I'm getting ahead of myself. <laughs> um, so I so I took courses at this community college and um, that was sort of my, that was sort of what I did instead of doing AP courses. So um, AP courses in the US are advanced placement, which means that um, you can study for an exam and you take the exam. And then if you do well on the exam, you can often get university credit for that. Um, but dual enrollment, you just take the course, you don't need to take the exam. And I think to join a community college, you need to be living in the area where the community college is. So I don't know that that would be all that useful for people like in the UK who are interested in doing the US system, but um, you know, you you mentioned that uh, 16 or so you moved to America. Did you do GCSEs or whatever? Did you do GCSEs here or did you do the high school diploma route? Um, I did the high school diploma route because we were pretty sure that I was going to be going to university in the States. Um, so there wasn't really any point in doing GCSEs. I did start, I think I did study GCSE geography for a little bit just because at one point I was really into geography and I just sort of wanted to do some more advanced geography study and that was what was available um and uh th there was actually this one time and you, you can cut this out if you if this isn't very interesting but there was this one time where I was hanging out with some homeschooled friends and they were and they were going to this uh GCSE prep class for I think GCSE physics and uh I sat in on it with them even though I wasn't taking the physics GCSE I was so annoying because I because I walk in and there's this chart on the wall that says um that has different types of radiation on it and I'm staring at it because I want to read it and the person who's facilitating the GCSE prep course says oh you, you don't need to worry about that we're, we're not going to be touching on that today I think maybe she thought I was like worried about it or something and I and I said no I'm well I'm looking at it because it's really interesting and then we start the prep course and she says, all right, so first off, gravity is the force that attracts all objects to the earth. And I'm like, that's wrong. That, that's that's wrong. It's not the force that attracts all objects to the earth. It's the force that attracts all objects to each other because of the way that mass bends space time. And she was like, yes, but that's not on the exam. <laughs> so you don't need to you don't need to know that definition. And I was like, well, the exam is just wrong. So 
That is so frustrating because GCSEs have such tight parameters that if you're answering the question wrongly, but in the right words, you get a mark. And if you answer it correctly, but in the wrong words, you don't get a mark. And it's like, how is that possible? <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. I I think that I tend to test pretty well in the sense that I, I'm generally pretty good at studying for a test and then doing well on the test but I'm I'm generally glad that I didn't do well I mean my main experience was with that physics GCSE prep course so um I'm glad specifically that I didn't do the physics GCSE because I would have just been very frustrated (laughs) (laughs) did you when you did your high school diploma did you do that through uh like an umbrella school or did you create the transcript yourselves no, we created the transcript. Um, and then my community college courses were um, on a separate transcript that the community college made. But I think, I'm not actually sure if the community college courses were also put, I think they may have also been put on the transcript that we made at home, but we sort of also submitted the hmm. uh, college transcript just so that I could get the credit at the university I ended up going to. So you went to community college and did an associate's degree and then you went on to do a bachelor's degree, did you? Or am I getting confused with my terminology? No, I, I didn't do an associate's degree. I just took about a year's worth of courses. So okay. I do know home educated children who have gone to a community college and gotten an associate's degree and then gone to a four year university. But um, the purpose for me was just to get some more advanced courses and also um, earn some university credit that I could then transfer into my four year university so I I didn't go to community college enough to get an associates okay so then you applied to university and which university did you did you apply to and what course did you want to do um I went to Mount Holyoke College which is a small liberal arts college in Massachusetts and when I say liberal arts what I mean is um it there's some there's some universities in America where you have to apply into a specific program or when you enter a specific program, there's a sort of um, expectation about what courses you're going to do in what order. And a liberal arts college is a little bit more focused on exploration and finding connections between different subject areas. So at, at my university, you aren't actually expected to pick a major until your second year. And um, what's a, the difference between a major and a course is that um, a major just means that you've taken a third of your courses in the same subject area. And there's different requirements for different majors. So you might have to say, take an intro course, and then you have to take four intermediate courses and four advanced courses um, as, as defined by the course catalog. So there's a certain uh, there are certain requirements for each major and they all differ by major, but um, you can... Uh, but because you only do a third of your courses in one in in one major, you can actually double major and do two majors. And so that's what I did. I did English and astrophysics. The astrophysics was a bit of a mistake, but not a mistake in the sense that I'm I'm uh, in the sense that I'm not glad I did it because I'm very glad I did it. It's just I wasn't planning to do it at all when I first showed up. But they're um, very different, aren't they? Those two things. Yeah, <laughs> but <laughs> it's surprisingly. I mean, that's one of the things I really liked about a liberal arts university is that. Um, you can find connections between completely different subjects. So even though you would have thought like, why would anybody double major in those things? And, you know, even at a liberal arts school, it was very unusual to major in subjects that were so completely different. But um, what it came down to basically was, I love space. I've always loved space. Um, as a as a kid, I was always reading 
space books. But I think what I was worried about when I entered university is that, um, you know, astrophysics is a lot of math and I historically hadn't liked maths very much. And so I thought, well, you know, I'd really love to learn more about astrophysics, but I just don't know if, um, if I want to do all the maths for it. And then I started taking a few astronomy courses that had increasing levels of maths in them. And then I took some um, extra maths courses just to sort of supplement that. And I realized, you know what, actually, I, I can I can handle the maths. I can if, if it means learning more about space, I'll I'll take the maths. So um, I ended up being able to do that as a major. And, and I wrote a uh, I wrote a senior honors thesis in astrophysics. And that was really that, that was just really special to, to think. What you was know, that on? Um, it was on it was on the true angular diameters of retired a stars which is kind of it's kind of uh exoplanet research without being exoplanet research so an exoplanet is a planet that orbits a star other than our sun so outside of our solar system and if we want to find out more about um how exoplanets form and what distributions of exoplanets are around different types of stars we need to have really accurate measurements for for the stars of the exoplanets orbit and so my thesis was basically asking the question um for retired a stars which is a specific type of star how accurate are our measurements of their fundamental properties and then what does that mean for our ability to find exoplanets around them Okay. Well, I, I was I was really tempted to leave a really long pause there while all my listeners were like, okay, no idea, like, what are you <laughs> thinking about? <laughs> but one thing I wanted to ask you, because you're, the American university experience, it sounds very different to the British one, because in Britain, you choose one subject and you go to you go to university and you go to like Cambridge and do maths or you go yep. to Exeter and do English Lit or something. Whereas it sounds like in America, you're actually able to you don't like choose a subject when you go to university and then you just what then major in one subject, but then do lots of different subjects. Do you more like an international baccalaureate or something like that? Yeah. Yeah. And, and actually um, at, at my university anyway, you um, there, you have to do courses in a, a few different subject areas just as gen ed requirements. So um, my, my university required you to take a, um, a math a math or science course a humanities course a social studies course a language and um a multicultural perspectives course and that was just just like one course in each of those areas was sort of the general education requirement and then obviously if you had a major in one of those then you would do more courses in that area because um pretty much the requirements for graduating were you had to take those gen ed requirements you had to complete the requirements of a major and you had to i think there was also a pe requirement as well but i was on the varsity swim team so i knocked that out pretty quick um was that because and, it's a liberal arts university or is that the case for all universities you have to take one from each section i'm not actually sure but i i think a lot of universities make you do that like so the the large research universities like um the university of texas is one that's really near me so um i know a lot of people who go there and then uh, I know a lot of people, for example, who want to study engineering or architecture or something. And so those are quite involved degrees where you have to uh, often you have to apply into the program that is quite similar to how you would in the UK. I think um, don't don't treat me as a authority <laughs> on this subject because I'm just sort of going off of what I've gathered from my friends. But um, I think there's some degrees where you do have to apply into them. 
Um, and then you could change them if you wanted to later on. Um, and I know people who've done that. It it could be a little bit tricky depending on what courses you've already completed and stuff. But um, you can um, you apply into those programs and then um, but, but you can also study other subjects as well. Like I know some I knew someone in high school who went and did, I think, chemical engineering, but she did a minor in French. So a minor is um, usually you take like four semesters in that department and there's specific requirements about what level those courses have to be at as well. But um, a minor is sort of a way of getting um, some level of expertise in a subject without actually doing a major. So, mm. and I think, I think there's probably if you were doing engineering, you would also, actually now that I think about it, I've got a friend who did chemical engineering and um, she had to take an English course or two as part of her degree because there's some, I think is, I think is a gen ed requirement. So I just, just talking through it, I think that there are gen ed requirements even for the more sort of pre-professional types of degrees. Mm. Um, yeah. Cause I always assumed that if you say you wanted to go to like Caltech and do physics, that you would just go to Caltech and do physics. You wouldn't like be expected to do PE or English or something. Cause I can't imagine most physicists massively wanting to study poetry. <laughs> yeah, I guess not. I mean, I, I know for a fact that, um, so I, I know a lot of uh, pre-med students at my university. And so usually what you would do in the liberal arts system, if you wanted to become a doctor is you'd, you'd go to university and you, you could you could have whatever major you wanted. You could have an English major if you wanted, although most of them did sort of biology or biochemistry or something. Um, but there was a pre-medical track at the university where they said, okay, well, you've got your major, but here are some additional courses that will help you get into medical school. And I think they have to take two writing intensive courses. So you actually get quite a lot of pre-med students who aren't English majors taking English courses for that reason. Mm. Um, you have to take two levels of physics. Um, you have to make sure that you have all your biology requirements and things, but um, a lot of pre-med students are biology anyway. And so that would be going towards their major anyway. So, um, and I think there's similar things for the pre-law track if you want to go to law school. Um, so that so there's a few different options for sort of beefing up your course load if you want to do something very specific after university. Okay, um, and and if you don't want to do anything specific after university, I'm guessing you ju you've just done you know your liberal arts degree. So you did a double majors, so you had English and and astrophysics. So what do you end up with? Have you ended up with a degree in both or a degree in both combined have you got like two degrees or a degree with both or have you just got like a general degree with majors it, it's a gen I think it's a general degree with majors is how I would describe it so on my on my diploma it doesn't say a specific course that I got my degree and it just says you've got a bachelor of arts from Mount Holyoke College summa cum laude um and then uh the courses themselves obviously I, I put the, I put those majors on my resume when I'm applying to jobs and things um but I I think I think at the end of the day it's pretty much just you have a degree and these are the subjects you majored in. That's completely different to the British system then. That's really interesting. Yeah. <laughs> so, 
I'm wondering, um, so so you've come out of university and you've got your double major. So what what are you, I don't know. I mean, you look very young. So, I mean, I'm guessing you're just out of university, are you? Yeah, I'm, I'm 23. I just graduated this May. Congratulations. So what are your plans for, for the next few years? Um, I, I'm trying to get into science communications, um, which probably, you know, a, a lot of people say, you know, English and astrophysics, what are you going to do with that? And I'm like, well, I'm going to do literally both, actually. I'm going to talk um, about science. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So um, I, I would really, really love to talk about, you know, space science in particular, but um, it, it just sort of depends on what I can get. So um, starting at the end of August, at the end of this month, I'm going to be interning at NASA, doing communications at NASA. And I am absolutely ecstatic about that because I wanted to, you know, it, it's I've, I've uh, you know, grew up reading about all the stuff that NASA was doing and, um, you know, all the all the space exploration that that's um, that, that that particular branch of the government has been doing. And so it, it's sort of almost become this this mythical organization in my head and so if you know if I could go back and tell my you know five-year-old self that I'd be interning at NASA one day I think I would pop with excitement man <laughs> it's just I I don't know how that happened but I'm very happy about it <laughs> that is amazing and do you know what sort of thing you'll be doing there so there's a specific project that I'm working on that is basically going to be maintaining an internal website and then building an external website to to tell the public about a specific area of what NASA is doing and I think the, the way that NASA internships work is that they've got a project that you need to complete, but then once, it, but then if you complete your duties for that project, they're pretty flexible in what you do outside of that. And so there's potentially areas for me to help out in their visitor center, maybe write some articles, things like that. So I'm, I'm very excited to see what kinds of skills I can pick up. Um, yeah, sounds that sounds amazing. And uh, so it's only going to be four months, but I'm hoping mm. that it will be four very educational months. Yeah, and internships, they always lead to exciting things, don't they, generally? So yeah. you've gone from home educating in the UK to interning for NASA. So how do you think that your, I know it's pretty cool, <laughs> how do you think your home ed sort of experiences in the UK have sort of like, I don't know, created some sort of foundation for where you are now? How have they influenced it? Well, they definitely really, really um, fueled my love of space because I had a lot of free time to read lots and lots of astronomy books. Um, sometimes we would read astronomy books for, um, you know, for school. I actually remember that we, uh, one of the books that we read, I think when I was about 14, um, we we read An Astronaut's Guide to Life on Earth by Chris Hadfield together. And I just think, I think that's such a brilliant book for anybody who's got a dream to do anything, because Chris Hadfield was a Canadian a Canadian astronaut. He's actually the first guy to make a music video in space. He he made a music <laughs> video of Space Oddity by David Bowie, um, just playing his guitar on the ISS. And uh, when he was a kid, he saw the moon landing. He was about nine years old and he watched the moon landing on TV and he said, I want to be an astronaut. And it didn't matter to him that Canada at the time did not have a space agency or that NASA at the time did not accept Canadian astro uh, Canadian um, astronauts. I keep saying astronomers instead of astronauts. I'm not sure why, but um, <laughs> it, it didn't matter to him that at the time there was literally no way for him to become an astronaut. He grew up thinking, what would an astronaut do? Somebody who's going to become an astronaut, what choice would they make in this moment? Whether it was sort of 
you know, him sitting at the dinner table going, would an astronaut eat another helping of crisps or would they choose to eat their vegetables? <laughs> um, and then he, I, I think he became a trained fighter pilot. And then when NASA opened up um, applications for astronauts to people from Canada as well, he went and applied and now he's the first guy to make a music video on the ISS. So it, it was just a really inspiring book about how, you know, being committed to your dreams is really important. And I I have to say that um, I never really thought I, I could work for NASA. So that wasn't ever really a, a dream of mine that I I sort of had the guts to express, but it's, it's still a, um, it's still a book that I keep with me to encourage me to go after my dreams, I think. In in terms of how homeschooling in the UK, the, the homeschooling that I did in the UK in particular sort of fueled um, my educational journey is just that it, it really inspired a love of learning. And that might be cliche, but it's it's the truth. Um, I just, and, and, and also I think um, it does depend on the type of homeschooling you do, but especially in... As I sort of approached secondary school, there were a lot of things I was doing quite independently. So um, the Dreaming Spires courses that I mentioned, the way it works is you sort of sit in on a, a weekly webinar, which is, you know, you get a lot of interaction on the webinar and then you have to go away and do your reading for the week and do your homework for the week. And then you come back and discuss it, which is very similar to what happens in a university setting. Um, so and and obviously I took community college courses, which is also very similar to what happens at a four year university. So when I went to university, it didn't really feel like as big of a transition as maybe it did for some people because I was already so used to doing independent work and learning independently. Um, and, and the cool thing about a liberal arts university is that for the most part, you get to choose courses that interest you. I mean, obviously you have to make sure that you're on track to finish your major, but a lot of times there's courses, there's options for courses you can do that will um, satisfy the requirements of your major. I would say there's there's probably more courses where you have a choice than when you don't. Um, like for example, you have to take intro to literature and if you're doing um, the astronomy side of things, you have to take physics up to electromagnetism, but um, it's it, there's quite a lot of choice depending on the major. I think the, the pure physics major was a bit more rigid in terms of what courses you had to take, but the majors I did were pretty, pretty flexible. I think um, that it, as part of this Share Our Successes series, um, I interviewed a, a boy called Liam, who's uh, 15, I think 15. And he said exactly the same thing. He said that being home educated allowed him to just follow his passions in a way that he he wouldn't otherwise have been able to. He'd have he'd have had his time split so much because he'd have been having to do work at school and then homework that he wouldn't have just wouldn't have been able to sort of think, oh, do you know, I really love this subject and I want to find out as much as I can and read all the books I can about it. And I think that is one thing that is that is so lovely about home education is that when you allow children to have, uh, you know, like you say, all that space and all that time, they fill it with things that they want to fill it with. And that allows them then to discover what their passions are. So you clearly discovered your passion for astrophysics. Yeah, pretty much. Very nice. And now NASA, I'm sure, is is very thankful to your mother for not putting not putting you into the local school. That's very cool. Yeah, I, I guess so. I mean, I don't actually I, I don't think they know I was home educated. I, I don't know that they would be very surprised if they found out I was homeschooled. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
I think there is a particular type of approach to learning and like you say, an, an independence to your workload that 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 is fostered quite early on in amongst homeschoolers. And, and so I think, yeah, I think like you say, when you get to university, it's not quite such a, a big jump because you've been organizing your own workload for sort of like six, seven years by then. Thank you so much, Lauren. It's been lovely chatting to you today and to hearing all, all about your successes. And I'm, well, I'm very excited. I want to, uh, I tell you what, we want a picture of you in your NASA top. That's what we want next for one of our thumbnails. <laughs> yeah, well, when I, when I get my, I don't actually know if NASA hands out merchandise. Maybe they do. If they I do, I'll take they a picture do. of my NASA top. Yeah, I like to think that they give all their interns a NASA top because otherwise you can just go down the local Primark and buy a NASA top and that would be disappointing. Yeah, I think I uh I think I do get a free backpack because they they give you an, a special NASA laptop to do your work on because it's a it's a government organization and they don't really want you messing around with government systems on your personal laptop. So they give Fair. you a NASA laptop and a backpack to put it in and I think that as far as I know that's what the merch is and I think you get to keep the backpack afterwards. But that sounds pretty good. I think a NASA backpack, yeah, I would take that for four months internship. <laughs> well, yeah, very I best of luck with it. Uh, I found out that their tech help desk is called the space bar. And I've been telling everybody that I talk to because I love that. <laughs> I'm surprised that's not a name of a, like a, a bar near the NASA headquarters, actually. Should be. I wouldn't be surprised if it was, honestly. Well, thank you so much, Lauren. It's been lovely chatting to you today and best of luck with NASA. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for joining us for today's Home Education Matters podcast. See you at the next one. Have a lovely day.